0: Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Now, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking with Sinead Leahy, Principal Science Advisor at the Agricultural Greenhouse Gas Research Centre to get an understanding of what the science is telling us and what farmers can do to help reduce emissions on farm. Let's check in with her now. Hello Sinead, thank you for your time today.
1: Yeah, hi Angus, lovely to be here.
0: Please can you tell me about the work that you do?
1: Ah, so um, Angus, I work for an entity known as the New Zealand Agricultural Greenhouse Gas Research um, Centre. It's based here in Palmerston North. And we're predominantly a funder of research. So really what we're trying to do is fund science that's really going to support the discovery and development of sort of technologies and practices that New Zealand farmers and growers might want to use in the future um, in order to reduce their greenhouse um, gas um, emissions. Um, I'm a scientist there. Um, Obviously, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not a, a, Mm. a, a native Kiwi. I came from Ireland back in 2006 and moved to the centre in 2016. I've been really enjoying my time there as a scientist, helping to sort of drive that science programme forward.
0: Can you set the scene for us? Why is climate change so important? And why do we need to act on it here in New Zealand? And are you able to speak to sceptics out there? I guess there's two parts to that.
1: Yeah, yeah so I, um, so that question first around setting you know the scene, why is climate change um, important to to New Zealand? Well, the first thing that people really need to be aware is that you know the Earth's temperature is is increasing. and the nature and level of, of that increase really depends on how much greenhouse gases we as a global human population emit into the atmosphere in the, the coming um, decades. Now, New Zealand is no different to the rest of the world. It's projected to have um, increases in in temperature and under sort of a business as usual scenario. So that's where the global human population continues living as we do now, emitting um, the same amount of greenhouse gases that we do now. New Zealand is expected to see somewhere between a 2.5 and 5 degree temperature rise by the end of this century. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot but it does have some serious um implications for how we might be farming the the land in New Zealand mm. if those temperature rises come to to pass. Um and when I'm talking about greenhouse gases I often use this very simple metric it's really days over 25 degrees and right now New Zealand's really really lucky we've got this lovely temperate climate you know plenty of sunshine, plenty of rain, you know, perfect for the type of agriculture that we do. And we're really good at, which is that pastoral uh, grazing um, agriculture. But, you know, by the end of the century, you know, under those sort of business as usual scenarios, if those temperature rises come to, to pass, there could be parts of New Zealand experiencing greater than 100 days over 25 degrees. Now that's obviously great if you're on holidays, but not so great if, for instance, you're trying to grow something like ryegrass, which is one of our main plant species, because it really likes that temperature uh, range between 5 and 18 degrees. So those type of temperature rises will have some implications for for what's happening on the ground when it comes to farming in New Zealand. Mm. And equally, you know, under those projected temperature rises, we're also expected to see, you know, more extreme weather events, you know, um, extreme flooding and also big one, you know, more chance of sort of extreme droughts. You know, and of course, New Zealand has always farmed very well under drought conditions, but under those sort of projections, we're expected to see more of those big extreme droughts occur more frequently. So when they happen, they're going to be hotter drier and they're going to last longer. And that will really um, move some parts of New Zealand sort of away from that nice temperate climate and into a subtropical climate. And that's going to change, you know, what type of agriculture you'll be able to do in some of those regions. So while New Zealand is a very small contributor in terms of global emissions, we only emit around 0.17% of the world's total GHG emissions. What the world does will have implications um, for us down here um, in New Zealand.
0: Mm. And what about the skeptics out there? Because there are a few.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't really tend to call them uh, skeptics. I come from rural Ireland, so yeah. um, I'm well, I'm well, I saw differing points of opinion, I suppose. But I guess when it comes to the, the skeptics, I think, um, if you want to call them that, but I think, you know, the evidence out there around rising temperatures, you know, I think we have very good scientific evidence out there around that the temperature is rising. Um, and it's very difficult to argue against the data that we have um, um, now, um, and also, you know, the scientific consensus that it is, you know, it's it is humans that are causing this this rise in in, in greenhouse gas emissions, and also as a consequence, rise in, in global um, temperatures. You know, at the current sort of intergovernmental panel of climate change, this entity known as the IPCC they essentially go out every so many years and they really assess all of the scientific evidence that's available in relation to sort of climate change and global warming. And during their last report, they basically said, you know, they're greater than 95% certain that humans are causing and global warming. And the evidence there is to suggest that. And there's another report coming out next year. And it's likely that that confidence rating will go even higher, you know, close to much greater than 99 certain that it's humans mm-hmm. that are causing uh, uh global warming so i think the scientific evidence is re- really out there um and, and and so it's very difficult to argue against against the the overwhelming de- uh, evidence that's there but often i also say to to people who you know are a bit unsure about the climate change and you know what's, what's going on i think it's really important to note as well that there are market drivers around climate change. And so it's really important mm. that we understand those market drivers because it may not matter what you actually think because climate change will will have to be an important consideration if you want to do business in the sort of agricultural sp- space as well. So that's another point that um, talks to around the economics and, and the business side of um, climate change and market drivers.
0: Mm. And of course, agriculture, we're well, just going back to agriculture. What are the big Mm. or the main contributors to climate change from the sector?
1: Yeah, so if we look globally, you know, agriculture as a sector, the global consensus is that we contribute about 10 to 12 percent of total uh, anthropogenic or human caused uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Here in New Zealand, um, we've got a slightly unusual profile in that almost half of our emissions come from the agricultural sector. So when you hear people talking about agricultural greenhouse gas emissions, they're really only talking about two gases. They're talking about methane and they're talking about nitrous oxide. Now, there is, of course, uh, carbon dioxide that comes from when we drive our tractors or when we uh, dry our milk powder. But those uh, carbon dioxide emissions get uh, counted for under something like the energy or transport um, sectors. So when we talk about agricultural emissions, particularly in in New Zealand, we're talking about methane and nitrous oxide. And both those gases, uh, when they're in the atmosphere, are very good at absorbing heat and contributing to that uh, greenhouse um, effect. If you look down on the farm and you go, well, where are New Zealand's Uh, main sources of of methane well it really comes from um the ruminant animal or enteric Mm. fermentation it's often what it's caused which where um animals are essentially burping out methane into the atmosphere so if you think simply um you know a cow eats some grass it heads down into its stomach and in the stomach you've got this um microbial community that break down that plant material into smaller compounds that the animal can use to produce its meat and milk and energy etc but some of the byproducts of that um, natural digestion can't be used by the animal and instead get used by this unique group of microorganisms which we called methane forming microbes which basically take those byproducts that the animal can't use converted into methane, which then gets burped out the front end of of the animal. And in New Zealand, that's our major source of methane um, in in, in the country. Mm. When it comes to nitrous oxide and that second main agricultural gas, the main source actually comes from the urine patch of a ruminant animal. So in a situation, how is nitrous oxide formed? Pretty much there's nitrogen in the urine, goes on out to the paddock. And in the soil, you've got these microbial soil processes that take some of the nitrogen that's in that urine and they convert it into nitrous oxide, which then gets emitted up into the atmosphere. And in New Zealand, that's our big source of nitrous oxide emissions. There's also emissions that come from our application of fertilizer. Um, And in a situation like that, what you're doing, again, is just applying n to a paddock, and mm. we've got those microbial soil processes again, sort of taking some of that nitrogen and converting it into nitrous um, oxide emissions. So, when it comes to um, our, our our sources on on in terms of, of agricultural emissions, it re- really the large source is our ruminant animal.
0: Mm. I've asked this question before, but doesn't agriculture also help by sequestering carbon?
1: Yeah, so when I'm out and about talking about agricultural greenhouse gases, soil carbon is, you know, one of the biggest questions we'll always um, um, get get asked about. And then sort of a, a addressing your question, um, Angus, it's 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 yes and no. So um, certainly, what we know about soil carbon um, is that um, obviously, if you manage the soils well you you have the potential to increase uh soil carbon into into the into the into the soils. But equally we know that there are agricultural practices, for instance, if you leave your soils bare for long periods of time, that basically um, also um, uh, increases the potential to actually lose um, soil carbon. So it's a little bit um uh complex whether it's mm-hmm. a yes-no answer. But The main question around when I'm out and about and people sort of ask me around soil carbon, one of the things they're really asking is, you know, Sinead, why can't I get credited for the soil carbon that's been stored in in my soils? So for people who don't really know what soil carbon is all about, you know, there's a potential. Soils have the potential to take some of the carbon that sort of flows through through the soil during a sort of soil carb, or during a carbon cycle and convert it into a sort of stabilized form that can be sort of um, stored in, in, in the soils, much like when we store um, carbon in the trunks and branches of, of trees. There's also the potential that it can be stored in, in soil. But what the evidence tells us currently in New Zealand, and it's limited, but it sort of tells us that right now for the majority of New Zealand soils, it looks like we're neither gaining nor losing soil carbon. um, mm. And so, you know, moving forward, one of the things that New Zealand, particularly um, in relation to our agricultural practices, will need to be aware of is that is making sure that we don't actually lose the soil carbon that we have because we're very fortunate. We have this temperate climate um, we've got pretty well managed soils, very young soils, which means that the level of uh, soil carbon in, in, in our soils is already quite high which is very different to so what you see in Australia or, or America, where often a lot of research comes out around the potential to increase soil carbon into those those soils. So so for New Zealand, when it comes to to soil carbon, I think one of the things we'll need to be watching in the future is really making sure we don't lose the good levels of soil carbon that we already have in our in 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 our in our agricultural soils.
0: Sinead, what do you make of the recent climate change commission report?
1: Yeah, I welcomed that um, report, and and the reason being is you know we 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 have to move to a low emissions future and one of the things i liked about the climate change commissions report was that it was the first time that it sort of opened up um, across all sectors you know often the agricultural sector gets talked about a lot because of our unusual greenhouse gas profile with half of our emissions coming from the agricultural sector but equally we also have a very big transport sector and i thought the community i thought the climate change commission report really um opened up the discussion around you know it's not just agriculture it's actually across all sectors of society if we want to move to a low emissions future then we're all going to have to to work together to 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 get there it's not just one sector above uh, another so for, for for me i i thought it's um it was a it was a good report um it um makes people discuss climate change and it makes people discuss you know the route possible that um, New Zealand we want to take as it heads towards a low emissions future.
0: Now, I talk to a lot of farmers on a weekly basis and yeah. they appear on my show. I come from a farming background myself. Um, most farmers by nature, I know that they want better environment outcomes. Mm-hmm. Aside from their own aspirations, can you tell me the relevance of the Paris Agreement?
1: Yeah, so I guess this comes back to the, the sort of uh, the point that we probably need to discuss is, you know, New Zealand has committed to a variety of different climate change targets we've you can sort of in a sense break them up into into both international and 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 domestic and on the international side and uh, new zealand has committed to uh what we call the paris agreement so this is where um around 186 countries came together And they said, you know, we really need to stop uh, global warming. And what we'll really try to do is keep global temperatures, not to go above 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial times, or we'll try and keep it well below um, two degrees. And each of those 186 countries that came together, they each made a voluntary commitment. And New Zealand has made a commitment to the Paris Agreement, and it said that we'll reduce um, our greenhouse gas emissions thirty percent below two thousand and five levels by um, um, twenty thirty, and New Zealand can choose to meet those um, those targets. We can either choose to reduce our our emissions within our borders, or we also have the ability to potentially do offshore um, mitigation um, as well. So that's our international um, um, target, and that's the Paris uh, Agreement, our commitment that New Zealand has made to mm. the. To the Paris uh, agreement. Um, alongside that then we've obviously more recently had our domestic climate targets being put in place through the Zero Carbon um, Act and that's really where New Zealand has put in legislation and said that we will um, look to get to net zero um, of long-lived gases, so that's nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide are considered long-lived gases, um, by 2050, so net zero, meaning that you can offset using, for example, something like a tree that stores um, carbon. And then we have also separated out um, methane, which is considered a short lived uh, greenhouse gas. And that's got a target of somewhere between 24 and 47 percent below 2017 levels by 2050. And then an interim target of 10 percent uh, below 2017 levels by 20. Um, 30 and the way we need to meet that particular domestic target is we have to reduce um within within new zealand we cannot rely on offshore mitigation for that particular commitment
0: Mm. Mm. new zealand farmers are already some of the most productive in the world what opportunities are available to them to reduce emissions currently
1: yeah so um that's a question that's been asked you know uh, quite a lot we are certainly one of the most efficient nations in the world for producing um food and there's always that question around well how much more efficient um um can 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 you get um and if you sort of look at the modeling that's been done and the sort of expert opinions that have been put out there there's a suggestion that if from a greenhouse gas, product, uh, greenhouse gas uh, perspective that if all farmers in new zealand became as efficient as they could in relation to ghg pra- good practice then new zealand could see somewhere between a five to ten percent um, um decrease in our agricultural emissions nationally mm, mm. but obviously you know we've got a target by 2050 um particularly for methane which as I, as i've explained uh main source of methane in New Zealand comes from from agriculture. You know, it's clear that um, no matter how efficient uh, we will get, it's unlikely we'll be able to meet, you know, somewhere in the ranges of 47%. Um, below 2017 levels by 2050, unless we have new technologies or there's significant land use change not seen um, before.
0: Now, Sinead, I understand you have carried out research in rumen microbiology. Can you explain this uh, to me and any results you might have unearthed?
1: Oh yeah, well you should never ask a scientist Angus about what they're passionate about because <laughs> this is the time you say to your to your to your listeners, um, grab a cup of tea and put your feet up. This could be a, a long a long discussion. Um,
0: yeah, or oh, give <laughs> yeah, me some I've, headlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I moved, as I said, you know, obviously Irish. Um, I myself, um, I'm from rural Ireland. I grew up, obviously, um, and beside my granddad's farm as well. So I spent mm. my um, uh, younger days making hay and milking. Has, Um, but um I came to New Zealand back in 2006. One um one of the reasons being actually is that New Zealand has a fantastic room and microbiology um team at Ag Research in in Palmerston North and I got the opportunity to come out for a two-year postdoc which was which was which was amazing so you know New Zealand probably you know they're the best in rugby best in rowing etc but they're also probably one of the best um uh people when it comes to rumen microbiology as well so rumen microbiology is is really around the study of um the microbes that are present um in in the stomachs of of sheep and 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 cattle Um, and they're extremely difficult to to work with extremely difficult to, to to grow and when i came over first one of my jobs was really to use um genome sequencing and of course Uh, through the COVID pandemic now, a lot of people will be very familiar with hearing the word um, genome sequencing, which is essentially you're looking at the DNA of, of your organism or virus in, in, in question. And so that was my job when I came over back in 2006 was really to, to set up um, um, genome sequencing of rumen microbes. Mm. And um, our group was one of the first actually to, to genome sequence a rumen methanogen. So as I talked about, it's not the cow's fault in terms of the production of methane, but it's really this unique group of microorganisms which we call methanogens or methane forming microbes.
0: Mm. And so
1: we were one of the first groups um, to, in the world to, to look at the DNA sequence of a, a rumen methanogen and try to figure out, well, how does it live? How does it produce methane? You know, what are the things that we could potentially do to these microbes that might be able to um, stop them producing methane and still not affect the productivity of the cow? And that was mm. what essentially, you know, a lot of my work was around really looking at these DNA sequences of these microbes in, in the rumen, all looking to really understand, you know, how they how they contribute to making a cow productive, and how they contribute to to producing greenhouse gases, and and could we figure out ways and technologies that might be able to um, stop them producing methane, but still allowed them to be a productive um, um, animal. So spent well over a decade. Um, um, researching in that area, and I don't want to bore the listeners, but yeah, wonderful, 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 wonderful um, science area.
0: Fantastic! And just before uh, we move on, but is there any major? results you can share or any uh, exciting leads that might have some yeah. positive outcomes?
1: Yeah, so one of the, the the things I was really fortunate at my time um, when I worked um, in, in room and microbiology that I got to be involved uh, through funding through the New Zealand government, through the New Zealand government support of this entity known as the Global Research Alliance on Agricultural Greenhouse Gases or the GRA that it's often um, referred to. And that's essentially It's basically an entity that brings around, I think it's around 64 countries at this time together and scientists that are in those countries. And really it was all around, um, you know, how can we grow more food without growing greenhouse gases? And as part of that, um, New Zealand support of that, I got to be involved in a very large um, uh, project known as uh, the global rumen um, um, census and essentially what that program did was it went it and it worked with scientists across the globe and we looked at the microbial community of um, of all types of ruminant animals across the globe, I think it was about 34 countries, across all the various different production systems um, that happen in terms of agriculture worldwide. And what we found is that across all of these ruminant animals, under all of these different types of diets and different types of farm systems, they all have the very same um, methanogen community. So these methane-forming microbes are the same everywhere in the world, no matter what type of um, agricultural system you're you're running, and that's really interesting. That was a really big discovery um, mm. by by scientists here in New Zealand, because what it told us is if you develop a technology that targets those particular um, methane-forming microbes, then you actually could have a technology that would not just apply here in New Zealand, but equally could apply globally. And that would have some uh, huge uh, global implications for how the agricultural sector globally can contribute to the climate change effort.
0: That's really, really interesting. I look forward to seeing how that progresses. Now, should I many farmers feel that they are celebrated on one hand for underpinning the economy. And this is certainly relevant right now with another COVID lockdown. Um, and then on the other hand, they feel like they are being driven into a corner with increased pressure through mm. constant policy changes. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, it's, that's a that's a tough question to 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 answer, um, Angus. I think you know certainly, you know, you know. I think there's real acknowledgement out there now that you know farming is becoming more complex and and more challenging. But obviously, you know, with challenges there there's always o- o- opportunity opportunities, and we also have to acknowledge. I think that the the world is changing, you know, and the environment is changing, and how we farmed in the past may not be how we can farm in in, in the future. You know, we're seeing, you know, governments obviously mandating um, change. Countries want change, but more importantly for for New Zealand, we're starting to stray. You know, our customers demand um, um, change, and that's a big one for New Zealand, of course, because we are an export nation. You know, close to 90 to 95% of the food that we produce um, gets exported. And so, you know, what those um, markets, you know, we will have to adapt to, you know, what our markets um, um, want. And, you know, climate change is, is starting to, to, to become a market signal. Um, and, you know, it's not going to go away anytime um, mm. soon.
0: Yeah. Mm. I thank you very, very much for your time today.
1: Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Well, the science is there. And it is clearly telling us that in order to meet emissions targets set by a previous government after New Zealand signing up to the Paris Agreement, we need to keep improving as an industry. Sinead talked about emerging technology that will play an important part in farmers achieving targets that have been set for them. What I would say, if farmers in our great land end up in the ETS which I hope we can avoid, then I believe the ETS should come under review. What is clear is that we can't plant our way to net zero with exotic trees. And I've said it before, but why should good productive farmland be at the mercy of non-farming emitters? If we are going to get carried away with farming carbon, shouldn't those carbon credits be used to offset our farmers rather than falsely allow other industries to carry on as they are? We are a farming nation. A primary industry is more important to this country than any other. So why is it that farmers are not supported and celebrated in the fashion they deserve? It is a question I will leave with you. Remember this, whilst the nation sits in various states of lockdown, New Zealand farmers are out there day in, day out, getting the job done and keeping those lights on. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.